0: Welcome back to the podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. We're with the Austin American Statesman and Austin 360. And uh, thanks for tuning in again to Austin Found. This is a really fun story today. That And there's things that a lot of us are going to recollect towards the end. So stick with us here. 17 Parties That Altered Austin. That's right. But before we dig into it, I would love to know what how this came about because it's it's a really random idea and it's fun to go through them.
1: Well, this was back in the day when I was the social columnist. So I was going to parties every night and it occurred to me that there are certain parties that are turning points in our city and I'd already started on the historical work. So I just, let, let's look at parties that, Gave us a sense of what Austin was like back then. Okay, and just as a little teaser, I'm, I, we're going
0: to get when we get to the end, we're going to talk about events and it's kind of event parties. Some were one-off, some are ongoing. Some and so towards the end, it'll be things from 2012, 13, 14, which right. you might likely know very, very well. Let's go back to the first one.
1: (laughs) Well, the very first one was when President Mirbu B. Lamar made his grand entry into Austin, the new capital that he had commissioned. And as October seventeenth, eighteen thirty nine, everybody, everybody in the city came out to welcome him. Of course, there was only five hundred and fifty three people living in the city.
0: (laughs) Wow that's And what was that party probably like? Oh, uh, well, muddy. <laughs> there was no Capitol building yet. We'll get to that. And I'm getting ahead of myself. And so we can thank uh, Lamar
1: for Austin
0: being what it is well, to a degree, he's, right?
1: He's a complicated man. There are things about him not to admire, but mm. he did choose the spot, apparently. Mm-hmm. Although there was a committee that did the official choosing, generally people credit him with making the final choice.
0: Then we jump ahead to 1871.
1: That's right, Christmas Day. The first railroad. That was a huge alteration in our city. Uh, Because if you can think about it, everything had to come up from the coast. You know, anything that you built with or ate or anything that you couldn't grow yourself. And the roads between here and the coast were horrible impassable it took months sometimes to Mm. get from the coast to the austin so a railroad changed all that we suddenly were connected to the rest of the world so where was that first train stop Uh, Uh, it was on fifth street right by uh brush square park there's a train station there now the train that goes uh, up northwest the commuter train mm-hmm. has a bus stop there in that square so right in the convention center and the hilton hotel all of that is around there and what was carmelo's and has become involved in this whole foreclosure controversy with the developer nate paul because mm. he he had bought that up with a lot of other properties and owes a lot of money on them so far that was where the first, you know, Railroad Inn was, where where you could stay the night. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow.
0: And then there was a, a post party. Uh, oh, at the Capitol? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Now, the Capitol then was a, a building not built bigger than a courthouse that was where the, the current Capitol is. It burned down.
0: Then we jump ahead to the dedication... Of the new state capital. That's
1: right. In 1888. Right. Uh, Everybody came from around the state. In fact, the city only had 14,000 people at the time, but at least 20,000 out-of-towners arrived. A lot of them camped out at, uh, uh, camp Ross, which was out in East Austin, and then... Came... I tried to look that up. I couldn't find what it was. I have never known its exact boundaries. That's a good project for me. I, I will, I'll work on that. But... And
0: what did, on a side note, what did come up in my search was an uh, athletic camp called mm-hmm. Camp Ross, named after uh, Longhorn Sam Ellinger's father, who passed away. Get I didn't know Yeah, it's like a combine-type... Uh, thing. Anyhow, if you're searching, you might stumble across that as well.
1: well. this was likely named after Saul Ross, who mm-hmm. was governor and a lot of other things, and Sol Ross University is named after him. Uh, there was a huge party, and there were balls, and the Capitol building, when you think about it, was the largest building for maybe, you know— Hundreds and hundreds of miles for sure, mm-hmm. but maybe a thousand invisible
0: miles. from everywhere. Oh gosh, yes. yeah.
1: I'm mean, just thinking the volume of that building.
0: Yeah, nothing else was that size. Wow. Then we jump ahead to something we, an event we we've talked about before on a That's previous right. podcast. And in, in uh, 1904, the Saint John Encampment.
1: Right now, this, the encampment went on every year, but I chose this year because we have a lot of information about it. But it was association of mostly rural african-american baptist congregations that would get together for a revival every summer in the land near where highland mall now acc highland was you know an enormous number of people came and there were contests and sermons and teaching and a lot of different activities and i'm sure it was really hot it was in the middle of the summer but at the time and and interestingly the the newspapers were very respectful of this And they they covered it pretty accurately. But the city had only 22,000 people, but there would be 25,000 people in the encampment. So it was bigger than the city. Wow. And then
0: this one entails two different times in 1945, VE Day and
1: VJ Day. So victory
0: in Europe and and victory over Japan in 1945
1: right now and and we had a lot of soldiers uh posted in this area at camp swift out near bashrop and what became birds from air force bay mm-hmm. and they had been partying in the city all through the war <laughs> But when those two dates came, I mean, Congress actually just filled up with people and, you know, there was cheering and hugging and kissing.
0: Yeah. You always have that image in your mind of the, the sailor kissing the woman and right. like a ticker tape parade in right. New
1: York City. Was it anything like that here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, the pictures of it are amazing. No ticker tapes. We did have a, a big old party, two of them. And in fact, people started partying early, you know, just in anticipation of peacetime. <laughs> wow. Then
0: we get to another one we've talked about on a previous episode, 1962, the first Austin Aquafest, inspired by our new Longhorn
1: Dam. Right. We've and,
0: got a river. And we've we got a
1: <laughs> lake now, the Coldtown Lake, and we can do activities on it. And the Chamber of Commerce came up with this wild idea of having, you know, water sports events and contests and fishing events. As we talked about in earlier episodes, it just grew and grew and grew. And the concerts became the big deal in terms of crowds. And it probably hit its max popularity in the late 80s. By the 90s, it was already beginning to you know, dwindle. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, i was shocked uh, and i know we did an episode about it before but again when i saw that it went through 1998 right if you had asked me i would have said it ended in an 88
1: right well it kind of almost did yeah. and they were bleeding money uh, of course they had alienated big chunks of the population with the drag boat races and the noise from the bands a lot of people weren't upset that it went away. Mm-hmm. You know? There's still people who are very nostalgic about it, as we found out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. We did find that out quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and then we move on to uh, 1964.
1: This is the Daryl Royal era right. for the Longhorns and a national championship. Yeah. His first national championship. Now, the Longhorns had won... In previous systems, ranking systems in 1914 and 1941, but this was the first time that iconic daryl Royal uh, won a national championship and there was dancing on the streets. It's hard to imagine, you could probably remember this when a big win would just set Sixth Street and congress avenue and everything else people the drag people would be mm-hmm. honking their horns and the streets would fill with celebrants and uh that was a big big deal for austin and uh, i think if we won one today it would be kind of like yeah <laughs> yeah we, we deserve it
0: <laughs> i know there is a there is an attitude like that with with uh long we expect to win and it's, anything yeah. less is a disappointment. Risk.
1: As Tom Herman has found out, yeah, you can't even just have a really great winning season. That's not, wasn't a great season. It was a winning season uh, with some great wins and still keep your job. Right. It's very tough.
0: And I had the fortune of being at the uh, 05 National Championship. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't here to see the party here. I was in Pasadena. You were in at the Rose Bowl? Yeah. Oh, i it, it was incredible. It was yeah, just. That was the best. It was just unbelievable. And so we expect it. We expect it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, moving on to some of the other biggest parties that shaped Austin. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one I had not heard about in 1972, the Dripping Springs Reunion.
1: Yeah, this was the predecessor to the Willie Nelson's 4th of July picnics, which went on for decades. It was held out on a a piece of ranch land that was, from the pictures, does not look like a place you want to be in in the sun. Although it was in March, it wasn't Mm -hmm. in July, thank goodness. It was all of the things that you think about the 1970s music scene coalesced there. You had the rednecks, you had the hippies, you had the old, old time country fans who, who'd been loving some of these stars for, for a long time. And uh, it set the stage for the, the, the Willie Nelson picnics.
0: And you think about that 72, that's a couple years after Armadillo had opened. opened. Exactly. And so this, this music scene was becoming a thing. Quickly. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was Woodstock for that generation. Then we go ahead to 1973 and Rodeo Austin, but it had been around prior to yeah, that. So Why
1: did you pick 1973? It moved into the Coliseum. That was the uh, Quonset hut shaped building that was on the shores of the lake while, in this later years, if you went to anything there, you, you know it wasn't a, a high-quality venue. No, it, it wasn't very big. It wasn't big, big, but— Did You it, think rodeo. Yeah, well, you know, the rodeo became a big thing for a small city. You had a parade down Congress Avenue. Kids got out of school. It was something that really was a, a party. And the the first entertainer was Johnny Rodriguez, as longtime uh, rodeo backer Verlin Callahan said, right out of the jailhouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and onto the they stage. They thought they'd lost their
1: star. Been... <laughs>
0: oh. And he was
1: escorted by, by, you know, cops to the... <laughs> huh. I, I got to paint a picture
0: for people because I remember going to concerts at the City Coliseum and citywide garage sale. Right. And it looked like a metal airplane hangar. And it was just off of Auditorium Shores, right? Where we now have the little spiral park, the Doug Sum
1: you- Park, yeah, 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 or and hill, it, it, the Doug Sum Hill.
0: Yeah, but it was it was rugged.
1: <laughs> you know, when it opened, people loved it, but it was not well cared for. And it, by the time I got here, it was it was like on its last legs.
0: <laughs> Jumping ahead.
1: November 1st and 2nd of 1984 was the first big downtown celebration, uh, El Día de los Muertos. For many decades, the Latino community had celebrated what are called Fiestas Patrias, which are the Mexican holidays, mm-hmm. and the national holidays in Mexico. But this was the first time that we had really, and it was, it was put on by Mexicarte Museum, a sense of a... Uh, a Latina holiday that the whole city was part of because everybody got their faces painted and mm. you know, went in the parade and there was it was a real sense of not only uh, the Latino community but the arts community coming into its own
0: and that seems to be gaining steam year by year so oh yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah now they call it uh, Viva La Vida I, I guess t- you know, to emphasize the positive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another thing that I I remember participating in the yeah. very and f- the, the very first one, yeah. the first South by Southwest, yeah. nineteen eighty
1: seven, March twelfth to the fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Nobody could have predicted that it would become the behemoth it became. It was just a few clubs downtown, yeah, and you could get into any of them. Yeah. You, you, you barely had to have any kind of pull to get into uh, one of these wonderful clubs to see a lot of bands.
0: I remember uh, one of my college roommates volunteered mm-hmm. to get the wristband right. and a t-shirt, and I'm like, the wristbands are
1: eight bucks. <laughs> Well, maybe you didn't how, have eight bucks. How many maybe, hours do you maybe have? Maybe you'd rather in? spend it on. <laughs> maybe you'd rather spend it on eight shiner box. You know?
0: Yeah, it is hard to to fathom what that
1: has become. It really. Yeah, is. But there was a sense. Uh, there was a sense of social liberation of community back in, in eighty seven, and a sense of this is something special.
0: And it was much more about the music, where it's, it's currently interactive, is, is, is the, the monster, right? Yeah, yeah. 1991, Ann Richards, is our, our new governor, and the march down
1: Congress. Yeah, and across the Congress Avenue Bridge, which is now named for her, because... Or it's you know, actually up Congress, I should say. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Because she wanted to open up the Capitol... And the the government to the people. Mm -hmm. Now, you could say that's just political rhetoric. But she did bring in a whole new set of people that were not involved in the good old boy politics of -hmm. of the state capitol. You know, she had been a a Travis County commissioner and been involved in Texas. I mean, Austin politics for a long time. So there was a real sense of an Austinite is in the governor's mansion. Mm -hmm. And, you know... If you're governor, you're an Austinite because you live in Austin. But this was somebody who really represented Austin. And I also talked about in that section, the November 7th, 2000. I was there on that cold, rainy night. Cold, rainy night. Oh, man. (laughs) Were you down there? Uh, Yes. I had to go by and do some reporting. Okay. And um, it was Bush versus Gore. And some media outlets were calling it for Bush and some were calling it for Gore. And so there was a big crowd out in front of the state capitol, you know, waiting to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And And they
0: heard Bush come out. and, And, you know, I was, and again, no political opinions on this. I just, I remember going... That's just a historic of event. It if he is. He comes out yeah, I mean, to accept the uh, the the victory or whatever you yeah, want. To call, yeah, yeah. No, and, I wanted to be there. And, yeah, and, and it went and, on and, and on. <laughs> and then everybody they were running out of beer, and uh, and the people were getting bad they were also. getting restless. <laughs> uh, they, but uh, yeah. yeah, we waited and waited, and then people just sort
1: of slowly went, right. went home. <laughs> right. No, it that was a strange night. Of course, we've had strange elections since then, but that one. For a city that was ready to have their governor who actually while he was governor got along pretty well with the city you know mm-hmm. uh he, he didn't get that partisan until he got to washington he mm-hmm. was he was somebody who while he was In Austin, uh, he he could be very bipartisan, and and he was nice to everybody. You know, he gave me a nickname. He gave everybody a nickname. (laughs) He was, was, um, in retrospect, he was somebody who, even the people that didn't vote for him, uh, could have some respect for his, you know, just his humanity.
0: Okay, New Year's Eve 1999 when we thought all of our computers were going to implode. Exactly. And
1: <laughs> believe me, in the newsroom we were terrified. And but uh, that's probably the biggest party in sheer numbers. In the sheer numbers for one night.
0: You know, I was in doing a short stint in Dallas for a couple mm-hmm. years for that year, so tell us what that was like. 260,000 people gathered at Sixth and Congress. I can't I can't fathom that because when okay, when Zilker Park is full mm-hmm. for Paul McCartney, right? Mm-hmm. That's like seventy thousand people, Okay, yeah. I can't picture two hundred sixty thousand people.
1: It's hard to picture, but no. luckily we had really good photographers who got up, not with drones back then, but on top of those buildings at Six in Congress and took wow. great photos of it. I was covering the <laughs> the fringe events. I. Actually, had to go around the crowd several times to get to parties at Esther's Follies, at some of the other places. Uh, I was not in the middle of the crowd. Mm. 2002, first ACL Fest. Yeah, and amazing what a small thing it was. It was one weekend. One day passes cost $25. Imagine that. 25 bucks. Wow. (laughs) And again, kind of like South by people. Did not know what this would become.
0: No, a friend of mine w- was one of the promoters mm-hmm. behind it, and and I was on the radio at the time, and he he gave me like a hundred of t- tickets. Like he said, just get bodies down there. Yeah. They were so terrified of, of a major flop. Mm-hmm. And if you go back and look at year one, who played there, it was it was a very local thing. It was. It wasn't the international acts that no. it's
1: become. Much it, much less, you know. Paul McCartney or whatever <laughs> right, those things. Right. It felt local, felt regional at least, mm-hmm. and you know the other big thing, of course, is the weather. Uh, we, as you know, you've been to them over the uh, the period of time that that it's been going on, and we had cames, we had the mud bowl, the mud bowl, year, year, the year, dust bowl, the dust bowl. <laughs> we had one time my. My assignment was to find out the engineering of the stages because if a hurricane hit, would they stand up to those winds?
0: Oh, wow. Because that has happened at some other festivals. Uh, A a
1: hurricane was headed this way. It did not hit us directly. Yeah.
0: And a little bit of trivia. One band has played every single year of the ACL Fest.
1: Do you know who that is? No. Asleep at the Wheel. Oh, of course. You know we I take them so much for granted I've been in rooms where there was 12 people and they played right in you know, a party or something you know they will play mm-hmm. and be great every single time 2012
0: which it seems like a lifetime ago that we got the f1 track but that was their first year of yeah. f1 where I mean you pointing out because they did shape Austin and that's that's where I felt like well some quite a bit from South by Southwest, made us an international city. Mm F1 really put a stamp on it to where you can go anywhere in the world now and they know something about Austin, Texas.
1: And they also know it from Austin City Limits Mm -hmm. because a lot of places in the world, they get to see that that PBS show. I think of it as as a a year that we kind of dodged a possible wrong change in our culture and a lot of people were afraid of that they thought oh all this euro trash is going to come in and it's going to be you know they're going to clog up our streets and it'll take all day to get out there and all day all night mm-hmm. to get back and no none of that happened you know? <laughs> I know
0: i took a a downtown shuttle from republic square and we got out there and there was no traffic there was no traffic it, it was and the fine. people
1: were just nice people you yeah. know from around the world a lot of them just ordinary people you know they were not filthy rich or whatever now for the first few years there were pop-up clubs downtown that cost like in the millions and big high-end parties big high-end parties that that... seemed to dwindle didn't it oh it dwindled very quickly by the by the fourth year it was almost not even worth covering and I was the social columnist back then so I got into all of them Hmm. you know you had this feeling of being in a swank club but you know we have Nice clubs, and we don't need exclusivity, which was all part of that ultra-lounge movement. Funny thing is, I got into all of them because they always had, smartly, somebody at the door, among the people at the door who were supposed to be on the lookout for locals. Oh, really? And they go, Michael Barnes, come <laughs> here. And I hate velvet rope treatment, and I hate being <laughs> right. given you know, some special treatment. But yeah, I got to go to all of them. Mm-hmm. That was exciting. It was the first year. It was the first year it was exciting. I agree. Yeah.
0: 2013 was the first year of Mac, Jack, and
1: McConaughey.
0: That's that, right. that of course is Mac Brown, Jack Ingram, and Matthew McConaughey throwing a big party for charity. Right. But it's not the first of that model.
1: No, no, no. Back in the 70s, Willie Nelson, Daryl Royal, and Ben Crenshaw would throw these parties that were part golf, part Hanging out with celebrities, part concerts, and 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 so Mac Jack and McConaughey is modeled after that. Three great guys, three easy people to sit down and talk to, good buddies, and they just realize, hey, rather than us go to a hundred different charity events a year, let's just do one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, and yeah. let's do it right. Can you imagine the requests on
1: oh, uh, those guys? To, and they yeah. they. You know the golf thing for the golfers mm-hmm. you know the thing that was really wonderful and they took this from the the other series was access to songwriters because after the big concerts in AC live they'd break out and each songwriter would go to a smaller room and you could go to those smaller rooms and you'd be right up close to somebody that you'd admired your whole life and last but
0: not least 2014, Austin Pride in the parade down Congress. But this,
1: why 2014? Again, there's a pretty rich history there. Sure. I picked it out because I just think this, it gives me chills. Uh, I think this thing where uh, the very first meeting uh, for homosexuals in Austin is 1970, I think. And a, a full 25 people showed up. This one,
0: not that there were only
1: twenty five. No, most gay people other, in Austin. A they, lot of others were in the closet. Yeah, but by twenty fourteen, a hundred and twenty five thousand spectators waited for the parade to come down Congress mm-hmm. Avenue when the contingent from Apple turned the corner and there were three thousand
0: of them. I remember that they all had special shirts right, made right. so
1: just for their staff just to have one of the most powerful companies in the world essentially endorse lgbtq rights in a way that's so visible is uh to somebody who's 66 that was just mind-blowing it mm-hmm. was culture changing kids today don't know what it was like yeah and to have that kind of linkage to something that everyone's familiar with and everybody interacts with was a real special moment
0: if anybody and it was 2014 if anyone remembers this uh, the parade there was a black convertible Thunderbird <laughs> blaring a gla gay playlist that overheated <laughs> on 4th Street where it gets all
1: congested right right
0: the epicenter of the parade that was me <laughs> my Thunderbird overheated
1: Jay- JP, oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: it's it, it made it through. It kept going, but it was smoking, and people <laughs> were like, your car's on fire. I'm like, I know. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you. Those collection of, of parties, this article comes from volume three of Indelible Austin. That's right. If you want to pick that up. I do want to share an email with you, because we have been getting a, a lot of good feedback, which you guys, we sure appreciate. It says, hi, Michael. Thank you so much for including me in your new podcast series. It was very well done, and several people have already contacted me about it. You are a treasure here in Austin. Thank you. That's from Mark Earlwine Earlwine Guitars. Right. Guitars, from a fairly recent episode. So if you would like to send in a note, some feedback, uh, suggestions, we're always open to that. At mbarnes at statesman.com. Or Jay Hager, H A G E R, at statesman.com. Thanks for tuning in. Happy trails.